This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> That's as well as Tyrone Mings is going to play. And it was brilliant, by the way. I had people on messaging me from work saying, oh, he's got to be called up for England. But he was he was fantastic. But that's as well as he's, he's going to play. That's as, He's put as much into that Premier League debut for Aston Villa as he's going to put into any game this season. So, and I can't... Well, it was good last season, though, Aid. In the championship. Yeah, but it was good. In the championship. It's another level. There's a reason why, and it's not just injuries, why Bournemouth were okay letting him go. So, I, I, I look at it and I think, yes, he's a very good player. I think he, they had to sign him. But there's an ability to crumble that we saw on Saturday with Aston Villa that I think will send mm. them down. And that's why I'm a wanker, I'm a wanker. And it does me good like it bloody well should. I'm a wanker, I'm a wanker, and I'm always pulling my hood. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. Welcome to the My Own Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOwnManSaid.com. Joining me for the autopsy of Villa's first Premier League game back in the big time, Mr. Max Stokes is back in town from Villa on Tour. Welcome back, Max. Hello, good evening. And we found uh, a perfect guest, a new guest, Fresh Blood, uh, somebody who uh, will probably... uh, come on the show after Villa get beat because one of his trades is a fireman so uh, he'll be able Mm -hmm. to uh, put out the catastrophes of people whinging slagging off players on social media etc a warm welcome to Jim Goth welcome good evening it's great to be here in the uh, my old man said studio (laughs) that's very virtual (laughs) (laughs) we actually did a test show uh, a few days ago just before the Spurs game but I didn't actually was just going to be a test but actually turned out to be uh, a proper show uh, 
which I didn't actually have time to get out. We talked about the deadline day activity and the transfer market as a whole, and I'll put the highlights of that out as a mom's patron bonus podcast this week. Coming up, we will uh, discuss uh, our first trip to the, they don't call it the White Hart Lane Stadium, do they? It's just the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Me and Mr. Stokes were there, opposite end of the ground. I had to uh, sneak in the, their equivalent of the Holt end. I was actually, I was upper Holt equivalent. Ooh. So that was that was quite interesting to see uh, the comparison. <laughs> nice. This week's uh, three points, we'll be looking at things that caught our attention uh, during the football week that uh, don't have to be in, in the Villaverse. They uh, touch on things like VAR, people getting done at games for texting. <laughs> Uh, also, there'll be the Scott Hogan touch count meter, which, which these guys uh, didn't know what was actually happening in the show. So that's caught them uh, by surprise. I'm going to make the rules up as I go along because I was thinking about it's a bit predictable, isn't it? You guess the number and then the other person goes one side or the other, which kind of gives them a, a b- bit of an advantage, I think, there. Too much of an advantage. Yeah. So I've got yeah. a new format, which is in my head as I speak 75% crystallized. So uh, give me uh, give me a few minutes while we do the show for me to work out the exact rules. But hopefully it'll be a bit more a uh, bit more fun. Right, let's get into the three points. Number 1, Mr. Max Stokes. Yeah, th- this is a bit of a funny one. This was a whole city fan that got told not to text during the game. Uh, they played Reading at home, I believe it was, uh, last Saturday. And apparently during the game, I think it was at halftime actually, an undercover security guard, uh, as well as a normal looking steward in a high-vis and all that, came up to him and uh, told him that he could face being ejected from the ground because he was just texting during the first half. I believe that the steward wanted him to be ejected for texting because he thought he was contacting betting companies because he could tell them how the game's going and et cetera, et cetera. Called court signing, isn't it? That's the technical term. Yeah, the Unauthorized technical Unauthorised data gathering. Yeah, to influence bets. It's like, like having the Stasi und- undercover security. I mean, there's, there's police spotters at games, which are uh, basically undercover police who go around the local pubs and everything to spot who the normal ringleader hooligans are and where they are where they are and then they obviously feed intelligence to the rest of the police force but this is kind of a, it's a bit too far isn't it I, i've actually had issues at hull before with the stewards they, they, they're very they're very forceful um even when somebody's like marginally standing in the aisles they were like get back get back and we were just like oh, come on like they, they are a bit weird at hull been there a couple of times which is a bit weird. I've been a few times. I mean, the last time, uh, there was hardly hardly anybody in the stadium, so I don't know what the big uproar was. I suppose yeah. they haven't got anything else to do because there was no Hull <laughs> fans there. But apparently the guy who was texting, he, he he said himself, he was mainly texting his girlfriend about what he thought of the Hull forward Tom Eves <laughs> uh, haircut. So it was all, all simple, nothing nothing to do with betting companies. So that that's just a weird one. Did Tom Has Tom Eves gone for a full Grealish as his hairstyle? I don't even know who that is, so I couldn't tell you. But I noticed Grealish blonde highlights in his head, didn't he, at the Spurs game? Oh, he's, oh yeah, he's dyed his hair. Yeah. Yeah, there's oh. definitely a change going on. I've seen a few things on social media where they're comparing him to a, a goat, or is it a ram with it, the way that his hair is <laughs> compared to the horns? Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. The moral of the story is do not send texts to your girlfriend about Jack Grealish's hair at Villa Park <laughs> in the upcoming game against Bournemouth because uh, under, undercover security may eject you. Right, point number two. Is it me? Yeah. Point number two, VAR. Everybody's talking about VAR, moaning about VAR. The, the funniest thing at, at the Spurs game before, uh, I don't know if uh, people saw this on TV, but uh, they did this intro video where they had 
Alan Shearer explaining VAR. Did you see that, Max, at the game? I didn't, no. It was a video of Alan Shearer explaining the principles of VAR and what's going to happen in this in the game you know when when decisions are are called out and I was thinking this is hilarious because Alan Shearer for the last few years on match of the day has been slagging VAR off and saying it's a complete waste of time and here he is being paid by the Premier League to do their in-house promotional marketing videos which um, I I found hilarious anyway uh, anyway the the upshot of this is uh, well basically Wolves have been howling about VAR and uh, old Nuno Santo said uh, that it's going to affect the spirit of the game Uh, they had a goal ruled off in the nil-nil draw against Leicester but it was a goal that there's a new rule now. Any goal scored, this is to quote the Premier League, any goal scored or created with the use of a hand or arm will be disallowed this Premier League season, even if it is accidental under the laws of the game. Those are the laws. Deal with it, Nuno, because uh, it wasn't a goal. I mean, I, I haven't actually seen the incident, but uh, I think the corner came in, was headed uh, goalwards, and it hit the arm of, is it Willy Bolly at close range before uh, Dendonka shot the rebound past Schmeichel? But uh, it's, you know, it's hit somebody's arm on the on the build-up so uh, automatically it's uh, no goal so but in the context of Villa I mean what was your experience I thought that it was really swift at the Villa Spurs game it almost like it was happening in, in the background while the game carried on yeah as, as someone that was there well when when they were talking about VAR in the past and it was first coming in I was like it's not really going to be great for those people at the ground because they don't really know what it is. If you're watching it on TV, it's all fun and games. Yeah. Like you, you know what's going on. You can see the instant yourselves. But at, at this Tottenham Villa game, I thought it was really good. I think yeah. there was a couple of instants in the second half with like a McGinn penalty or McGinn red card, things like that. And they put it up on the big screen telling us what was going on. We didn't see the instant, which is, which is fair enough, but yeah. they told us what was going on and it was fairly fast, to be fair. I was, I was happy. But it was like, I think I mentioned off air, it was like there was like suddenly these bonus points suddenly out of nowhere. It's like, oh, Penalty review, oh fuck! <laughs> and it's like, fuck, we might get a fucking penalty from nowhere. And then uh, the funny one was like, sent out of nowhere, it's red card for our decision. And you're thinking, oh fuck. But it is, but it adds that little, uh, it's not like the game stops and everybody, you know, you go off to get a pint or something while the decision's being made. It's uh, it's almost like in the back of your head while it's uh, going on. It was, I thought it was pretty good, it's pretty swift. What was it like on via TV, Jim? Yeah, I mean, sort of when you're watching it and uh, Obviously, it comes up on the on the screen that they're making a VAR decision, but it was pretty much the same watching it on TV, yeah. really. Where it was actually quite, it was quite smooth, and it was, you know, and sometimes you didn't actually realise yourself that it was going on until, and even the Sky commentators were like, okay, well, they're, they're going to, you know, something's gone to VAR, and then you just see the the, the standard shot of a of a referee with his ear with yeah, his hand yeah. to his ear, and then then you kind of realise what it is. Yeah, I mean, the, obviously, the benefit of watching it on TV is that you can actually see the incident yeah, in the flesh yeah. and you can't you kind of know what the decision is going to be before the you know the decision is made but yeah. no I actually I actually thought the same I actually thought it was quite it was quite smooth really I was quite surprised yeah, and I think I think that probably because you don't watch it uh, on the screens which I thought was a surprise because I thought you would be uh, watching it if you're at the game but the, I think the fact it adds to the suspense because you don't see it with your own eyes so you don't know which way it's going to go so it mm. can can come out of nowhere they said they're not going to show it on the big screens. I can't remember who said this, whether it was the Premier League or not. They're not going to show it on the big screens because it might cause animosity within the fans or something. I think they said yeah, something along Yeah, it could lines. trigger, yeah, if they get it wrong for some reason, then it then it could really kick yeah. off. I mean, we've got used to referees messing up and you kind of get on with it, but, uh, you know, through gritted teeth. But if you had evidence, uh, then it's going to boil the blood, should we say. But yeah, it's, it's funny that managers would moan about VAR now, even though uh, the actual goal was disallowed for an actual law of the game. 
I think it's better to have people moaning about uh, things that actually are under the law of the game rather than a you know dubious decision which uh, VAR didn't sort out. See, the thing is with that with that rule as well, it's pretty black and white, isn't it? Yeah. There's, 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 there's no grey area with that one. And Brendan Rogers was saying he was a massive fan of VAR after that, and that's the way it's going to work. You know, if it works for you, then you then you love it. If you don't, and it's you know it's going to uh, be uh, peaks and t- troughs in terms of whether you like it or not, because that's it will affect the game accordingly. But at least it's in the rules of the game. Right. Uh, point number three, Mister Goff. Point number three is a, a funny little ditty for, ditty for one of Dean Smith's former clubs, Warsaw. So uh, during Warsaw's one-one draw with Forest Green. One of the Forest Green players went down injured on the pitch and the Warsaw fans just started singing, that vegan bastard is eating our grass. <laughs> Brilliant. I, I, you see, I, lo- I love chants like that because I'm always the guy that kind of thinks about chants like that about half an hour after it's happened and it's not funny anymore. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's, so. it's good to see vegans now uh, playing football. That's, that's that's all I can say. But there's, there's been yeah. progress. But yeah, no, it's, it's when they're witty like that, It's uh, it, to me, it doesn't matter if they're swearing and stuff. Uh, obviously, it upsets uh, the football authorities. But if it's witty, it's witty. Yeah. Especially from Warsaw fans. I mean, come on, that's it's not often uh, humour <laughs> comes from that neck of the woods. <laughs> The only humour from Warsaw is, is are those concrete pillars at the Bescott Stadium. Uh, me, 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 and Chris Budd uh, went. He got tickets. I think he got free tickets or something to like Italy versus England under seventeens or something. So I thought, oh yeah, go on. It's you know it was a beautiful summer's day, so we went along, and the ticket was right behind a concrete pillar. So you were sitting there, and literally in your face, your, your legs were almost around the concrete pillar. It was a fun. I, I just sat there laughing. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking, yeah, no wonder you got these fucking tickets for free, Chris. <laughs> I mean, obviously it wasn't a sellout so you can move and sit, but I just couldn't believe that you would sell. I mean, there's restricted views. Normally restricted view, you just move your head like one inch to the left or right and you can see everything. But this was like... No, that's just no This view. was like zero, no zero view. view. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm picking on Warsaw fans there. Before we go on, I just want to say a massive thanks to the people who make this podcast possible, the Maya Man Said patrons. And thanks to the patrons that have signed up since the last show, Phil Hudd, Paul Farrer, Andrew Bickley, Tor Christian Storvik, Dale Butler, and Rob Bick. Thankfully, I haven't been sabotaged with made-up names. Please do also support the show and the website. We've now got uh, rocking and rolling with the bonus podcasts, uh, which appear weekly. And also, I'm looking to do a Patreon bonus on the website as well in the upcoming weeks. So stay tuned for that. Please go to myomansaid.com and click on the Patreon link to see how you can join people on your same wavelength as a Myo Man Said patron and get access to bonus stuff. Thank you very much. Right, let's go on to the game uh, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. What was your feelings going into this game? Just very quickly, uh, was it like a free hit? Let's see what happens. Or did you think that we needed to get something? Because Spurs going into this game actually had a few big hitters out. Son wasn't there. Deli Alley wasn't there. Eriksen was on the bench. None mm-hmm. of the new signings was on the pitch. So in terms of if you're going to do something against Spurs this season, I think there'll be a well-oiled machine by the time they get to Villa Parks. Or did you... Uh, uh, did you just want to see signs of progress and uh, let's you know see how it goes? Go, going into the game, I think everyone, well, a lot of people were saying, if you're going to play Tottenham, this is probably one of the best times to play them. They haven't got some of their big boys like yeah. Son. Like, realistically, it's one of the big six teams, Champions League finalists away from home. I'd say top four stadium, at the moment, sold out. Well, yeah. 
I think they'll come third, but you know, it, it, whether it was a free hit or not, Dean Smith says we're always going to have a go, and I wanted us to have a go, yeah. and we did. But yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't disappointed at all coming away from the game. But look, looking into the uh, the actual lineup, I mean, I think there was genuine surprise there when we looked at the fullback positions and saw our old friends uh, Elmo and Taylor there. I mean, was that a shock to you, Jim, to see those two in? Yeah, massive. I think with with all the signings we made over the summer, you just expected to see more more fresh faces within the lineup, didn't you? And I think that, to be honest with you, El Hamadi wasn't that much of a surprise to me. Um, I did I did have a feeling it's to keep in for some reason because he has still got a bit about him and still got a bit, a bit of pace. And I thought it wasn't too much of a surprise with him being in there, but... Taylor, but Taylor was a was a massive shock. I just thought, especially going on the back of all the uh, pre seasons games where he, just, he did try to work with um, Gilbert and uh, Target. I did I did expect Target to be in there. To be honest, was you was you surprised, Max? I was. Yeah, I saw it on the big screen, and like like Jim said, I wasn't majorly shocked with Al Mohammadi. I was shocked that Gilbert wasn't even on the bench because I, I thought he yeah, I, yeah. I thought he'd be injured. But Dean Smith said after the game, he, he just straight up just left him out. But Taylor, Taylor was the one as well because he's played Gilbert and uh, Target all pre-season so he must be trying to work on something there and he just switches it up and goes with Taylor I, I was surprised yeah it was, it was a bit of a yeah, weird yeah because I mean my kind of reasoning was we're going to be on the back foot against this team and uh, I was thinking probably Smith's thinking about when I mean, you referred to it in the press conference uh, you know they, these were three of the back four that what did they do concede five, uh, eight goals in is it 15 games or 12 games on you know on the the mm. back end run that we had and so they kn- they knew each other as a unit so obviously if we're under siege it's better to have a, a unit that knows each other and potentially trusts each other rather than i mean if you looked at the leipzig game i, I thought the back line at times were a bit uh, disjointed and kind of all over the place. And Tom Heaton got them out of jail a few times uh, in Germany. Mm. So I think that was his pro- mm. potentially his reckoning there. But at the same time, you're thinking, well, the only way to, if you're going to try to beat Spurs, is obviously to catch them on the break. And does Gilbert offer you more pace uh, to do that uh, on the on the counter and you know potential overlap there? Yeah, well, you think so. And the thing is, as well, obviously during the preseason games, that that that's what he was offering and that's what he was giving to us and that's why you know it was a bit of a surprise but it was it was just Taylor for me that that was the I think every I think every Villa fan looking at that lineup was just more surprised with Taylor being in there but to be fair I think Taylor did all right as as did you know the, the whole I back did, four I, I thought they played uh, played yeah. really well uh, as as a unit at the end of the day it was the midfield uh, that was crushed eventually and uh, they you know they just couldn't stop uh, what was coming at us but until Although there was the uh, the first like uh, six minutes of El Mohamed getting oh, yeah, caught yeah, yeah. by Lucas Mora, and then that was it. it. Was like, oh, that's the wrong decision. Why did they stick him in there? And he's just like, everything was just proven. But no, he, he went on to do he do well as did as did time. Somebody mentioned that earlier on who I was talking to, uh, and I totally forgot about that uh, the opening few minutes where you think, oh, wait, we're going to get slaughtered here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But no, in terms of other decisions, I mean, I expected uh, the three that were in the middle of the, the park just because uh, Nakamba and uh, Louise had only just come into the club and hardly actually trained with the team going into this game. You see that 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 was a big surprise. That, that was a big surprise to me. That was with uh, with Louis just getting his work permit and only being in the country for sort of like less than a week, pretty much. And the camera had had a little bit more time to train with the squad. I, I, I was a bit surprised that Louis was given the the substitutes bench rather than the camera. I thought 
I thought Nakamba might have been in there over him. Yeah, no, that's but, what I thought as well. I thought he was more, if if you had a number one or two at this moment in time, I thought Nakamba would be the man just because he's played, you know, in Champions mm. League games against big teams like Atletico Madrid, Dortmund and been successful. So I thought he would be, so I don't know what the position is there. I mean, obviously, uh, Dean Smith uh, didn't really declare his cards on on that front. No. Trezeguet on the right, uh, Al Ghazi on the left. I thought in the initial stages when we were obviously we've we limited Spurs, we defended really well as a unit in you know both midfield and uh defense and they didn't really they, after apart from the initial exchanges we they didn't really trouble us but we looked deadly on the on the counter we looked dangerous yeah mm. i think i think counter-attacking in especially in the first half is where we really could have hit tottenham um i think the front three was good i think trezeguet was one of the, the brighter players we had he looked he looks very very good i think we'll come on to it but i think he had yeah. a shot didn't he yeah. when it was one nil he should have done so yeah. much better there. But if he made it 2-0, then it might have been a different game. But no, I think the front three was good. El Ghazi looked bright, especially in the first half. Uh, winning a few headers, to be fair to him, to knock on to Wesley, because he's still a big yeah, guy, isn't yeah. El Ghazi? So he can be a threat in the air. But no, I think that front three was, was, was quite good in the first half. I mean, Al Ghazi especially, he looked quite tricky, didn't he? And, uh, and uh, you could tell that Danny Rose was struggling to deal with him at, at some points. Yeah, because Danny, uh, Danny Rose, I mean, I was at the Inter game at Spurs uh, the week before and Danny Rose had a lot more freedom at the park. I mean, he was uh, you know, getting into the, the penalty box or the opposition and, and causing all kinds of troubles. So he was uh, he was pegged back in this game because I, I was expecting him to be a, like a serious danger man. But in terms of uh, Wesley, I mean, I, I, I was on a... I was on the train back uh, after the game, which was delayed by an hour and uh, blah, blah, blah. But all I could hear was, oh, Wesley, he's shit. Oh, he's shit, that Wes- Wesley. Oh, he's fucking, you know, shit. And he's just thinking, oh, fuck, it's a typical... It, can- it, it just it just winds me up, that, that opinion, because you just think, you know, going into this game, it was, it was going to be tough for anybody on that pitch, you know, but... Yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, what's what's your uh, not you, but these idiots on the train? What's your uh, what, you know how you've how, what's your equation to uh, declare him shit? Is it because he's a striker and he didn't score? Is this is this the simple maths that you go on? Because uh, he, he was coming in a lot deep, but he was allowing. I mean, through his hold up play, he drew out the defence to open up the channels for like John McGinn to obviously scarper through and Trezor Gay, and you know that this is how we were opening him up on the counter. So he, he played his part. I think the frustrating thing he did, and I think the frustrating thing for a lot of Villa fans, I mean, especially watching it on TV, because you don't tend to get, obviously, the replays in the stadium, but he was going down very easily. And the, the, there were a few occasions where you kind of think that he could have held the ball or held on to it a little bit more, but he was just he was going down a little bit too easily. I noticed that as well, because I was with the Spurs fans, so I, I was joining in with the booze. <laughs> <laughs> get, get up, up get you up. pansy. <laughs> but, but And, and there, was, there was a lot of that, and it was frustrating to watch because you would you would think that a guy of his size who was especially brought into the team for his strength and obviously holding up play to bring other people in, in into, into the game and it was just a little bit frustrating watching him going down a little bit easy and I think that is an area of his game that especially when he watches these backs I'm yeah. sure he will do that he'll He's, he's got to, He's got to do better. He's got to do better. But but to draw a conclusion that he's shit, oh, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. Yeah. What what did you think of old Wes Max? Well, the first thing I heard when I came out the ground walking down the stairs was that Wesley's shit. And it's like really, it's his first game, new team, new country at one of the best team in the leagues away ground. Like what what seriously? What were you expecting? He's not one of these strikers who's going to score you thirty goals a season. He, he does the dirty work, and I think to some some of the fans that might yeah. go a bit unnoticed. Yeah. Um, I think he had a few bright moments holding up the ball, even for the McGinn goal. He shrugged off. Yeah. I think it was Sanchez. 
Uh, so it created space for McGinn to go through, but he does the dirty work and he, it might go unnoticed a little bit, but I, I didn't think it was his best game, but seriously, like what, what were we expecting? I think if the more he grows into it, the more he, he learns the other players' traits and stuff, I think he, he will grow into it eventually. Yeah, no, yeah. it's like when Codger came on, oh, don't that, was like, that was like, who's this Sunday league player? Because... <laughs> I, <laughs> I think he, he, didn't he, touch the he board, had he? Uh, he had about no, six touches, but he was shrugged off a couple of times, and uh, he looked. I mean, it's <laughs> it's a tough gig that lone striker, especially in, at the time he came on when we were getting pummeled in, in the midfield. But he, he he didn't look like he was. Uh, you know, he he played in. We obviously hadn't played in this league before, but he was looked like he was out of his depth. Which there's a few exchanges when he got shrugged off the ball and he kind of fell over after a challenge, and you're just thinking, ah, dear, we should have we should have got another striker in that. Window. Mm, you see, he did come on, and I think he, he tried to lay a pass back to to Yasa, and it literally just went straight to a Spurs player, which, yeah. who then broke on the attack. But I think it was a little unfair of him, really, to bring him on, expecting him to do the same job as Wesley was was, was trying to do, and because he's not that kind of player, really, is he? Kaju, he's not the kind of player you'd expect to come on and bully defenders. He's he's, he's more of a more of a skillful. Back in to the championship, things. we would bring him on in cir- circumstances. I mean, pretty much like this, where uh, you wanted to kind of wind the clock down because you'd give him the ball and he wouldn't pass it so he would engage with five or six of their defenders and run for a bit to go down a blind channel or whatever but occupy them but against Spurs they just mm. tackled him straight away only took one of them to get the ball off him he, you know he, there wasn't like four or five running after him and chasing him and uh, he, he wasn't kind of running down the clock because they just dealt with him straight away yeah it was pointless I'd rather have had Keenan Davis yeah. on yeah he's had some really good bright moments in pre-season I remember at Charlton away he held the ball up really really well and I think that's sort of what we needed like you said Codger got bullied off the yeah. ball a couple of times he just looked yeah, so weak and a bit a bit not really up for it I think Keenan would have done a I good agree. job yeah. another man that was getting the U- I mean, he's he's just got a haters club, old Connor Horahan, and he. I thought he was. I thought he was fine in the first half. He, he was playing above what I was expecting him to do because you know you think, well, we're gonna they're gonna come at us, uh, and you know they've got a decent midfield. Well, they've got a decent team. Full stop. And Horahan, even in the championship, he was some somebody that Dean Smith would play when we knew we could, uh, let's say, boss possession against teams. At home, you know, you would have him on as your what would be a defensive midfielder because he could play further up and because we'd have the ball and dictate the play. But I thought he was all right. Some of his passing was decent, and you know, he got got us on a way on the way of a few counters. I, I thought exactly the same. I thought the first half in particular. I thought that he he didn't really do anything wrong. He, you know, he sort of he made a lot of interceptions. He, he, he generally held on to the ball and he picked out a few passes. And I, I don't think there's there's very much sort of reason there to slag him off if I'm honest, because the first half he was probably as good as, as most people were on the pitch and the second half everyone was pretty much the same his backs against the wall things anyway so this is it I mean people have their opinion they don't like Horahan and that's it until the day yeah. he dies that's what they'll think about him and you see it on social media and uh, Douglas Louise came on literally nine minutes touched the ball ten times one of them was like a header out that was his first touch I think and then just simple passes you know side to side he just looked like you know Jean McCoon or something there was there was no way you could make a decision on if you didn't knew nothing about that player because these people let's say oh he, he showed his class and he was great in his in the you know short time that he was on you don't know that you can't fucking make one decision from what you saw from those 10 touches and by the way while he was on the pitch we conceded two goals so if if it ended mm. 1-1 and he was on the pitch and he tackled the fuck out of their midfield then you think fucking hell he's good even in that 10 minutes but uh, he didn't do anything because you know what could he do 
And the fact is, you know, you, mm. I'm not slagging him off or anything. I'm just saying there's no insight there. People are just going on, oh, he's Brazilian. He's from Manchester City. Pep Guardiola said something good about him. So he's, t- you know, he's much better than Horahan. Mm. He showed his class. Like, he's going to be playing against Bournemouth. It's like he didn't show jack shit because Spurs just bypassed our midfield at that stage. His hair looked good, though. Well, exactly, yeah. And it's just, <laughs> you know, that's a, a certain level of football fan for you. It's like, come on, you, already uh, building him up to be a god, he hasn't done anything. So if he isn't the player you think he is, then suddenly, you you know, it'll be the same people calling him shit again. Mm, yeah, probably. I'm- For me, Hurrahan starts the next game on, on the back of that. I don't think he's done anything yeah, wrong. Yeah, no, exactly. The, the fans slagging him is he's totally unjust and not called for. And I think that, especially when you look at his stats... For, for that game you just think it's harsh yeah. it's harsh I'd have to agree with that I, I think I'd, I'd start Horahan against Bournemouth I think there's certain fans out there that just hate Horahan because he's Horahan they, they don't really base on anything like there's, there was a couple of times during the game where Grealish gave the ball away Tottenham could have scored him for the second goal I think it was Grealish dwelled on the oh. ball a bit if that was Horahan there'd be oh, people all imagine? over Twitter yeah, now yeah totally agree Absolutely even Wesley <laughs> Jesus yeah yeah it's, it's just it's just not fair I think people judge Horahan before he's done anything it's really not fair I don't get the so I'm a big fan of him just need to cut him some slack a little bit do you see the tweet he put out yeah, about yeah. that that Villa yeah. fan from like five years ago he said he'd never yeah. get to the Premier League <laughs> he just absolutely ripped him was he him. playing for Fair Plymouth in yeah, those days yeah. I can't understand the Villa fan taking this big interest in Plymouth Was he? Does he is he from there or something like no randomly you, you tweet like some uh, League 2 or League 1 player and go excuse me sir but you have no chance of playing in the Premier League <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck are you I don't you don't need to know who I am I'm just telling you you've got no chance of playing in the Premier League I've been watching you from afar bizarre but the thing is though even when Hurrahan did put that response back to him um, there is actually Villa fans on his tweet replying still giving him shit and he's just thinking Hurrahan's done something to go out and sort of prove you say yeah yeah you know look at me you know I've, I've done yeah. well for myself and Villa fans are still giving him shit on that Twitter response and no, it's insane I mean, as we've always said on this show even if uh, you know he hasn't had a a great day or or sometimes the game passed him by whatever you cannot dispute as we've always said he's got end product he scores goals mm. and, and he and he makes them and at the end of the day if, if that translates into the Premier League then he's going to be very useful for us yeah I mean I just want to pull one stat up that I did notice about Hurahan from the sure. game yesterday is that he made 22 passes and he gave away three whereas McGinn eight throughout the whole game eight completed passes and you look at that and you're just thinking for the amount of shit Hurahan gets and obviously McGinn you know he makes up for the game with you know, with being a pest and the other things that he does but you just think you know McGinn's, McGinn gets away lightly with air whereas you know that, that's yeah, a McGinn's, solid McGinn's uh, yeah. pass completion was 60% Hurahan's was 82.1 and 82 mm. Is pretty good, basically I mean mm. Engels is 88.2 That's that was the best of uh any defender. The most shocking in terms of distribution, what was Tom Heaton doing? <laughs> so some of his goal kicks went out for throw-ins. There was a couple and a, another two potential borderline ones. Uh, I mean, Tom Heaton, fantastic. No complaints to them. We'll get on to that. But yeah, some wayward kicking. Uh, obviously, they were going for, as you mentioned, El Ghazi's uh, decent in the air. That's He was obviously aiming for him to head it on. Especially, especially in the second half, I think it was. I, th- I don't, I don't know what it was about the second half. It just <laughs> kind of just passes started going astray, and it just didn't really go to plan. But yeah, it was a bit of a I think it was one just was the pressure the was getting to people, wasn't it? Because they knew that Spurs was every time he had to take a goal kick, he was getting booed. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I, I joined into that as well. I, I yeah. joined. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you yeah. lead it at one point? <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Come on, lads, stop singing about the Yid Army. Let's start booing this guy down here. <laughs> 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, have we spoken about the defence? I, I, I thought the centre-backs were immense. I mean, uh, it's one of the best displays. Uh, I remember Gary Cahill and Liam Ridgewell. It was like the Alamo against Manchester United at Old Trafford once, where we had so many injuries that we, we played that pyjama clowning goal and uh Corelli and uh Cahill and Ridgewell when they were like early 20s and they were brilliant and it was only I think it was in the last minute Solskjaer had a shot and it went through the legs of the keeper and it was like you just felt for those two guys because they got their chance they did everything and the keeper fucked it up mm. anyway digressing but that display by Mings and Engels, I thought, right, this season's going to be all right in terms of you know we're not going to be relegated and you can uh bookmark this and save it for later if we do get relegated i, I don't give a shit i'm i've got faith as long as they stay fit because that's why you've suddenly felt around you know eight, sixty, seventy minutes we might actually do this because if they get through mings and engels then there's heat in it behind them the thing the, the thing for me is that it just looked like every time because that like spurs had a lot of corners and they have some yeah. like 40 odd corners or something throughout the game and and every time they're putting it it was just like a magnet to mings's head he was just getting he was just getting to absolutely the spurs fans standing and, next to me said he's fucking humongous <laughs> <laughs> when he when he headed when he, when he did one of those like head back bang you know headers out directly from the corner there's his catchphrase let's get that on a t-shirt you, you just like throw in a wanker just after that just like, yeah, yeah, no, did, yeah. just to surf <laughs> could fit, fit in <laughs> no but i think mings and angles i think that's their first competitive game together and they look so so yeah. good against a good tottenham side i think every time they whipped in a ball it's just head it away head it away and i think was it their second goal tottenham it bounced off both yeah, of them which is no. really unfortunate but I think that's definitely a positive to take from it. I think defensively, we were, we were pretty pretty good. So the thing is with Engels, to me, is he looked like he's been playing in the Premier League all his life. He was so assured. Yeah. And I mean, I mentioned off air, like even even like where a standard like centre-back would be heading the ball out or trying to make a clearance, Engels was just taking it down on his chest and he was picking out passes. And it was really refreshing to look at it. I totally agree with where you see the centre-half pairing of Mings and Engels and you just think this is it. Exactly what you said. If we can keep these, good, these guys fit for the season, then we've got to great chance of sort of staying up or even progressing further 
You haven't got that that situation where you've got a good keeper who's a bit unsure of the the guys in front of him, or you haven't got where you've got good defenders and they're a bit unsure with a keeper, and that leads them to make mistakes. You've got like the perfect sort. They all mm. and they all like you know you could see each they're, they're all encouraging each other every time that either Heaton made a save or Engels uh, blocked it or Mings headed out. You know they were they were patting each other on the back and psyching each other up. So it's definitely uh, yeah. as you said about Engels, like who gets gets the ball and he's it's almost like he's already scanned the area. He knows who's behind him, he knows who's around, mm. so he kinda of instantly turns and he and he picks his pass. He's not just, you know, rushing it or booting it away or playing the obvious one down the wing. Did you see I don't know whether you actually sort of seen this well from the stands, but you made this one clearance where he kind of just kind of did like a flick back heel across the six yard box and it, oh. it was amazing. If you ever get a chance to look at the look at the replay of it, it, it was amazing how he managed to sort of we're we're getting into paul mcgrath territory here with uh, back back flicks and stuff (laughs) he he was that good but but you could just imagine can't you sort of concert and and, sitting uh, in the stands and going oh fuck horse yeah yeah fuck i'm nasty i'm gonna have to injure him in training (laughs) just shaking their heads at it (laughs) right i know what i'm doing on monday i'm going in (laughs) two-footed Exactly. What did you think, Mr. Stokes, about Yotta when he came in? I thought, is this a case of he, he's good against lower opposition and he might struggle in, in, in this league? Because it's a bit, obviously, the pace of it and he's playing, you know, real athletes are not going to give him a time on the ball. Um, I think it was a difficult time for him to come on, to be fair. It was, it was the time where Tottenham were really, really pushing. I'm not sure what the score was when he came on, but it was at the time where they were really going for it. I just thought he looked a little bit weak. I think he, he gave away the... Um, the free kick that Ericsson took and Heaton made that really good save. So I think that was a little bit naive for yeah. him. It was a silly challenge, but he just didn't seem to get his hold in the game. He didn't see too much of the ball. He, he didn't really have a go, but that's that's nothing. You can't yeah. take too much away from that because it was when Tottenham were really going for it. So yeah, it wasn't fantastic, but you can't really judge him on that. I think there's more to come from him for sure. When Spurs made a substitute, they're bringing on a player that can probably get into any team in the world in Ericsson. And mm. uh, it was at the stage where Spurs were getting the upper hand and you just thought ah that's this is going to be it isn't it it just reminded me of when we played Manchester United several times in the FA Cup uh, I think it was under Martin O'Neill at at Villa Park but United I remember playing one game and I think they had another game coming up uh, maybe a European game and so they rested Van Nistelrooy and uh, Roy Keane and I think Villa had had the lead we were 1-0 up I think Barry scored you know we're sitting there you know everything's hunky-dory and we're thinking oh we might might have this what fucking foolish prick leaving uh, Keane out and uh, Nistroy out and then they started to warm up on the side and the whole 10 just and I just I def- I was deflated just sitting there you know just watching it and I was going oh fuck we're fucked and the whole whole 10 started to boo when they saw them warming up because they knew it was coming and, and United won 2-1 and sorry I'm, I've gone on a bit about Man United there but uh, <laughs> but it was the same with Ericsson you just like ah shit <laughs> This is exactly what they need. This is yeah. who they need to bring on now. Even when we scored, I kind of felt like that. Because as soon as we went one up, like the Villa pessimist in me was just kind of, I kind of celebrated. And as soon as I sat down, I kind of went, oh, that's it. We've just we've just kicked the Ornit's nest and we're just going to get spanked now. But <laughs> the, the longer the game went on, it sort of got to, you know, Taylor was doing all right. And then it got to the, the half time and I was thinking, okay, all right, we, we might actually have this. And then, Obviously, the longer the game went on, especially in the second half when we was back to the wall, we were defending quite well. I was thinking, this is possible. And then all of a sudden, like exactly what you say, you see Ericsson warming up and going, that's it. Speaking about when McGinn scored, I was obviously in the Spurs end. So uh, I was really disappointed when he scored. And, uh, you know, I was I was, I was almost in tears. <laughs> so obviously I missed out on the limbs. But you were in rail seats, were you not, Mr. Stokes? 
Yeah, I was a bit shocked. I was a bit what shocked was the experience in terms of the celebrations and is did it feel safer? Um, it did. It did. Yeah, I think the seats themselves were quite big, but the railings definitely helped. I think we were on the end of a row, so All we right, were yeah. down the stairs anyway. But I think if you're in if if you're in the middle, like there's no way you're going over that because I think the rail goes like above your waist. So there's no way you're flying over that. So yeah, I think it was much, much safer. Yeah. I think it's for the best. But yeah, the scenes when McGinn scored are fantastic. I, I was just going into the game saying, if we can keep it respectable and score a goal, I'll take that. And we did. It's always nice if you're going to score a goal, for it to be the first, if you're going to get beat, for it to be the first goal, because there's still a belief and it obviously means something. But yeah, they had uh, yeah. rail seats on both the lower decks, on both uh, cop ends, so to speak. I think any any new stadium will have them. It's basically future fitting them for hopefully the government in the next year making a decision to finally green light it. Uh, to be standing sections but anyway that's uh, another subject for another day uh is there anything else to talk about i mean we we brushed on douglas louise i was kind of like almost had my eyes on him like player cam because i just i was like all right here we go i think smith could see we were struggling in terms of energy because we've been chasing the game and concentrating so hard all all game that it obviously Ericsson coming on fresh blood that he needed to put something in there but we didn't really uh i can't understand what kind of player would come on to st- to stem the flow of you know what Spurs were doing to us, but it'd be interesting to see. I, I think yeah. as we already said, I think Horahan will start, but I think uh, Louise, if he's uh, ready, which uh, he seems to be in terms of uh, getting on, uh, he'll get uh, he'll get more than ten minutes, I would imagine. I see. I think the the, the biggest surprise for me was Trezeguet. Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned sort of off air before that I thought I wasn't really too sure about him when we signed him. I weren't really kind of you know, I didn't have that much confidence he'd be able to sort of transfer from the the dodgy Turkish league over to the Premier League, but. I, I, I was really surprised. I thought in the first half, especially, he did give us something different going forward. And you can see with his pace, and he has got a bit of trickery and an eye for a pass. And he put in three or four really good crosses. And it was a shame, yeah. really, that our team had, hadn't really sort of caught up with him. I think it was, it was point, a shame but... that Wes. It was a shame that Wesley was uh, on the edge of it, of our own eighteen-yard box when the crosses came in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on his ass. But no, I mean, I, I, I thought I thought he was he was positive, and and um, I think exactly what Max said. You know, to to get a goal and, and and carry ourselves like we did, I I, I don't think you can sort of, you can walk away from that game with with, with many negatives with the way we performed. But yeah, Trezeguet for me, he was he was one of the positives. Yeah. I mean, definitely. just in summation, uh, we're known as a in the championship as a possession based team, and we had like thirty percent of the possession against Spurs, and that just showed. I mean, we were playing you know one of the the top teams in that division, no doubt. I think it was a good test though, because the way we stood up and and you know those first seventy uh, odd minutes where we actually put seeds of doubt in the even the Spurs supporters' minds uh, was uh, a, a triumph uh, at the end of the day. The way that we were defending and how compact we were throughout the game, I think we mentioned earlier on that the, the stats had something like forty odd shots, and only sort of like there was only seven or nine of those were on target. And sorry, we, we only deal good, with yeah. execs on this show, uh, Mister Goth. It was 31, <laughs> 31 shots. <laughs> seven, seven on target. Well, I got the second bit right, but yeah, but uh, but yeah, and the thing is, most of them were outside the area because that's that's all the that's all they could do, and because of the way we defended and how compact we were, we we did limit them to to shots from outside the area. And I think it was only later on throughout the game that that, that they obviously they did get them through clear, clear yeah. chances. And let's face it, two of their goals were through yeah, no, exactly. I think obviously Greenish on the edge of the box, and even leading up to the their first goal, and Dumbale scored. And um, El Ghazi should have cleared. 
created it. Elgarji should have created yeah. it way before the. But I mean, race. obviously, you know, they're they're being told to play out from the back and play, you know, a controlled possession game, even from your own eighteen yard box. And if you look back uh, when Pep started at Barcelona and introduced that philosophy. Barcelona's, you know, some of their defenders and midfielders were giving the ball away, you know, sloppy passing and, and they were resulting in goals. Mm. This is because it's it's all about, you know, you're learning the way of playing. So you're going to make mistakes as, as you get up and running. And so uh, you, you have to kind of forgive the early stages. I mean, obviously, we live in the day and age where everything gets uh, is under the mic- magnifying glass and everybody gets jumped on on social media. Yeah. You know, players will make mistakes early doors as long as uh, you've got a bit of patience and actually there is an end result and we start playing out the back very comfortably. And I think we in Mings, I mean, you saw that the, his pass for McGinn was sensational. I mean, he's done. that's not the first time we've seen that mm. from him. But Engels is super cool, as we've discussed. So I think it will all click into place. It's just it'll be interesting to see when he beds in uh, the fullbacks or if Taylor and uh, Elmo actually keep them out of the team for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean that's sort of when it could lead on to the Bournemouth game. You kind of think, you know, being at home, is he going to give target? The chance and and, and yeah. Gilbert and who knows, but I think that I think they've definitely done enough in the last game to to keep their places. I think it'll be unfair to um to waste them at this point. Right, and it's not forgotten, even though we're in the Premier League and that mythical striker Scott Hogan has slipped down to the Championship. That's not going to stop us. The Scott Hogan touch count meter is here. It's finally been delivered from Africa, so it's time for another Scott Hogan touch count. Right. Scott Hogan touch count. Why Why are we continuing this? Well, because everybody fucking loves it. That's why. But also, uh, <laughs> it, it provides us with a chance to uh, look at the uh, the championship and what goes on. I mean, it's obviously the first game here, so we're not going to really dive into it. But it's, it gives us a little championship segment, so to speak. We're going to do, uh, I think we're best of three. As I mentioned at the start of the show, the original rules, it was a bit basic, and uh, people will get bored of that through the season. So we'll try to introduce some rules that build some tension. As I said, I had 75% of the idea in my head. I've completely forgotten that by the, by the time I've actually got to this point. But uh, we've got to do the best of three. I think what happens is you both get a guess. After the first round of the guesses, I will say who's closer and then they get the first guess again and then the next person guesses and uh then the winner is known after that whoever gets the closest or if you hit hit it on the head does that sound like it makes sense that makes makes perfect sense that does that sound sense. like an improvement Let's do it. <laughs> yeah yeah we'll yes. go along with it we'll see <laughs> but i was thinking if you actually nail it on the head the guess then maybe in the next round the person forfeits one of their guesses so there's a bit of a forfeit and a bit of reward does that sound like it works or not i don't know okay okay yeah 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 i'm just happy to be on it this is a big deal for me this is like this is like getting on strike it lucky when i was a kid this is this is huge <laughs> right so are we, are we going on one game here so each each round we'll have right, two okay. guesses two guest stages okay. let's let's try this one okay. out do you want to flip a coin who's going first <laughs> i don't mind i'll let jim go first he's the jim guest. you're first up on the hockey all right Oh, just before, uh, I got a phone call, private number. Funny enough, like five minutes after Scott Hogan was announced to be leaving Villa. And uh, anyway, I didn't even associate it. I just saw a private number. I didn't answer it because, you know, I don't know who it is. Uh, The private number rang again. 
So I thought, okay. So I picked it up and it was BBC Radio Stoke wanting my reaction to Scott Hogan going to Stoke City. I mean, my reaction is I don't care. (laughs) So uh, I said, look, you know, I'm I'm going out in a minute. And they said, oh, we we can patch you straight through to the, you know, live to the show now, like, you know, two minutes, whatever. I said, oh, you know, go on then. So the first thing they asked, tell us about Scott Hogan. I said, what's he going to do for Stoke? And I said, I've got no idea (laughs) because he's hardly played for us. (laughs) And when he does play, he hardly touches the ball. And then I told him about the Scott Hogan touch count meter. And that was the reason I went on the show, was basically to announce to the city of Stoke, advertise basically the Scott Hogan touch count meter. So hopefully there's a few Stoke fans listening to uh, this segment. Actually, my appearance on uh, BBC Radio Stoke, uh, and also there was a five live appearance on Deadline Day, uh, can be found in the Moms Patrons bonus audio section. Anyway, we've just explained the rules, which the guys have no doubt forgotten, and so have I. But we'll try to, we'll try to improvise as we go along. So Jim's going to get the first guess to uh, the first question. And, and the second, the two following questions, I haven't even actually made up yet. So this is very live. Scott Hogan made his debut for the mighty Stoke City, two up front. I think they played a diamond, uh, Stoke normally play. He played 60 minutes. It only took them 60 right. minutes to work out what a waste of money Scott Hogan was. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he'd have been off at half time. Sorry, we're being very harsh on uh, Hogan here. How many touches did he have in those 60 minutes? First guess, Jim. Ah, oh, Jesus. I'm writing these minutes. down, by the way. <sighs> I'm going to go 11. 11 from Jim. Which is huge. Mm, Okay, I'm going to go 9. It is tense because you've just fucked the rules up straight away. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Oh, is it it 10? (laughs) For God's sake. I'm calling that one as a draw. (laughs) And we're going to have to think about new rules for that eventuality. This is not living up to my dreams. That was pretty good guessing uh, in the start. Yeah, why didn't you just go just 10? You'd, 10. Have, you'd have crippled you him and you'd have been 1-0 up. Uh, I, 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 I wanted know. to mix up a bit. Oh, oh well. <laughs> right. We'll go to the Villa Spurs game. Let's, uh, let's Enough of Stoke for, for a week. <laughs> in, in the Villa Spurs game, and uh, I think next week we'll dwell a bit more on the championship. But in the Villa Spurs game, two players had the most touches in the Villa team. They had the same total. So Mr. Mings and Jack Grealish had the most amount of touches in the Villa team. How many touches was it? Jim first again. Both players played um, 90 minutes. Um, I'm going to go 29. I am going to go with... Well, the logical would be 30. I'll go 30. Let's go 30. He's the closest, so he gets the first go. Right. What? The rule is on the next, on the second round, whoever's yeah. closest ah, goes okay. first. Yeah, 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 so yeah, you've got a yeah, slight, yeah. slight tactical okay, advantage, I think. Two guesses. So that, they, guess. Those are the rules nowadays. Ah, okay. Okay. It was only, it was only because in the first now, round you completely fucked it up by both going either side of ten. <laughs> <laughs> This is, we're in the infancy of the new rules, and okay. I hadn't uh, planned for this uh, to happen. So I'll have another Knowing guess. that you're the closest, um, and uh, it's 29.30. Yeah, I'm going to go 54. Mm. So, Jim? 53? 53. Fucking hell, Jim. 52. <laughs> oh. oh, for God, that's not fair. I love these new rules. Come on. They're brilliant. <laughs> 
I was very surprised. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, if if you play, if if you're a, a regular follower of this game, you'll know that the most touches is normally closer to a hundred. So I was very surprised by these early uh, twenty nine thirty guesses. I have to admit, as soon as I twenty said twenty nine, I, I instantly regretted it. And I knew we'd win it, but oh well. Right, so the decider, 1-0 up. Right then, how many touches did Harry Kane get? Man of the match for Spurs, uh, apparently. Scorer of two goals. And who's going first? It's Jim, because he won the last round. I'm going to go... He was kept pretty quiet when he the first half. I'm going to go with 43. 43, first guess. I had a number in my head which was much less than that, so I'm going to go 42. That caginess is still in these new rules, isn't it? <laughs> Max? <laughs> you might as well just go higher or lower. Well, no, because I tried to switch up in the first round and it just right, Ma- up, Ma- Max it? gets so, to go first. He is currently closest. This is like uh, French boule, where you have to get as close as possible to the... Uh, Puck or whatever it's called. So Max is closest. He goes first. Mm, I think somewhere in the 20s. 20, 26. I'm going to go 29. Oh, 37. 2 nil to Jim. Oh, <laughs> Beginner's oh, luck. Oh. <laughs> On his debut. <laughs> right. Well, congratulations, Jim. We will uh, go back to the drawing board with the rules, but we're, we're getting better, I think. They're getting more uh, excited. Maybe there's going to be different rules every time uh, the game is played. Who knows? I thought the rules worked very well. Yeah. Oh, I bet you did. <laughs> the opening uh, round was was something that will go down in uh, in history, uh, where you both got either side of the uh, exact number. <laughs> so just going back to uh, the, the experience of uh, going to Tottenham Hotspur, Stadium, which when it came out as uh, the first fixture, which I thought it was a perfect way to begin the new campaign in the new stadium. Uh, what, what, what did you think, Max? Obviously, you've been to a few away grounds uh, in recent seasons. Yeah, I think we said in my video, we were like, oh, we used to go into Stoke, QPR, Brentford. And then this was like, wow. <laughs> when we first got promoted, I think this was the fixture. I thought that's the one I'm looking forward to going to. I think when we got there, we walked, we, we did a like a, a tour of the ground. We went around it and I think we looked at the South Stand. Is that what it's called? Like yeah, that's, one, that's the one, one I was in. Yeah. yeah, we looked at that from the outside and we're like, that's that's a bit crazy and then we walked around to the sort of away end side of the stadium it's quite hard to get it's just quite hard to walk around that stadium did you find yeah we went through like some sort of house in a stadium yeah i went through a car park and uh, all kinds yeah of stuff. underground car park we went through it just look, it looks like a bit of a spaceship from that side yeah totally it's a, bit of a funny one totally it, that yeah but as soon as we got in the concourse wasn't as big as I was expecting because I know you posted some pictures on Twitter and stuff, and in the home end it looks massive. It is, it's massive, and I think you can you can walk around any end, so you can say I'll, I'll meet you in so and so bar, and even if you're oh, on the okay. west stand or the south stand, you can meet up. Obviously, uh, at half time, you know it's it's a bit too far to go. But I, I was, I mean, I went yeah. to the inter game, and uh, there was a few people hanging around after the game, and I, you know, posted a, a Instagram story saying, "Oh, look, people hanging around, like, you know, wow." But after the Villa game, uh, the whole concourse was packed. I mean, it's up on my Instagram, absolutely packed, heaving. And uh, outside, there was a few. Uh, this is outside the South Stand. There was a few like street food places, and there's like they've got like artificial grass outside, and people were sitting around, you know, in the last bits of the sun of the day, uh, hanging around chatting and you're just thinking fucking Elspers or 
Daniel Levy, you've, you've hit the nail on the head here in terms of uh, churning in extra cash. I think but unbelievable that it's it's just cram-packed. And obviously it's a fucker to get to the bar, even though you'd think after a game, a bar that's as long as a football pitch, it's the longest in Europe. I thought it, that know, the away okay. concourse wasn't as big as I was expecting. I, I know there was like a, an upstairs as well, and uh, my mate had a beer from there, and I had a taste of that, and it tasted like absolute piss. It was dreadful. Yeah. So I wouldn't recommend getting a beer if we go there again. But the, the concourse wasn't as big as I was expecting. People ask me, well, you know, why are you in the home end? That's because I have full access to the microbrewery. I, uh, I have access to the <laughs> to the uh, goal line. We did find one of those cups. <laughs> we found one of those cups and we were just looking at it like it was like something really special. It was like, oh, we've never seen one of these before. But the beer itself was awful. I don't know what beer it was, but it was crap. <laughs> to be honest, I didn't taste the actual, the home brew, shall we call it. The actual stadium itself, what do you think about that? Because it's, it's over the pitch. It's in the, There's not like a racing track around it, like West Ham or whatever. You you are in on the action. Yeah, the absolutely. I think there's a lot good. of leg room. There's a lot of space as well between the between the seats. It was a lot of leg room and the bars that we talked about, the safe standing thing was good. Yeah. I, th- I think, yeah, it was really, really good. Happy that there wasn't a big fat racing track like there is at uh, West Ham, which we'll enjoy later on in the season. But I think... It was well designed overall. I'm I'm happy with yeah. it. It's really good. You know, it's literally like going into the future, isn't it? In terms of experiencing sport. Right until uh, who's next? It's now a couple of a home games. Uh, looking forward to them. Hopefully, we'll get some points on the board. Uh, although, what's the catchphrase been? As long as we finish seventeenth, I'm happy. I'll I'll take seventeenth now. We're actually we're in sixteenth position. So those people yes. snap their hands off. Come on, those people will be ecstatic. But I think. Uh, <laughs> The next few games we've got, in terms of the Premier League anyway, we've got games where uh, after what we saw against Spurs, we should be pretty confident that we'll, we could get some decent haul of points on the board. But no pressure, boys. Please do, if you're listening on uh, Spotify or Apple, please do give it a follow uh, on Apple. Please do give it a, a review and a uh, high five of five stars as well, please. And uh, just follow it on whatever you listen to. Uh, also follow Villa on Tour. Check out their Spurs video because that will give you an 3D insight into what we've been talking about in terms of the stadium. And most of all, please do consider becoming a My Own Man Said patron to support the show and also get access to bonus podcast shows. Quick thanks to uh, Patrick Downs, Sanjay Patel, and Mark Matthews for upping their pledges as well uh, in the last week or so. Go to myomansaid.com and click on the patron link on the menu bar. Thank you very much. Until we meet again, thanks as always to Max Stokes for joining us. And thank you, Jim, for joining us uh, for the first time, uh, the latest uh, signing for the uh, My Man Said podcast squad. And until next time, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. My old man said. I had to. I had to celebrate three fucking Spurs goals. <laughs> the first time was there was a one second delayed reaction. It was like I was watching a dodgy feed or something because <laughs> every, everybody was and I was like stunned inside. I was going, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" When they equalised, and then I, I kind of faked the celebration, like a, like at least a second later. Ah, oh, well done, lads! Apples and pears, apples and pears. <laughs> yeah. Apples and pears. <laughs> but by the time the third one went in, I, I was I was kind of on sync and uh, doing handstands and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke, uh, listeners. Just in case uh, you, you didn't get it. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.